0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Fred Lowry, illuminating God's Word for today's world. The choice, the Word of God, or the world? The choice, Christ, or culture for us? We can choose Christ. the book of Daniel and one of my favorite chapters chapter 3 and we're gonna be talking about the fire this morning faith under fire faith under fire becomes faith on fire you know you don't know how good God is how much power God has how sufficient his grace is unless you go through difficult times You don't know that you can count on God to come through until you reach the end of yourself and you have no one to count on except God. And then you learn something about the awesome God that you worship. You know when you get in that trial, you get in those storms, your anchor holds. As a Christian, your theology of adversity must include three scenarios. Number one is miracle. God is able. God is unlimited. God is all-powerful. God can do anything. The Bible says with God, nothing is impossible. God can zap you. I don't care what's wrong with you. He could instantly zap you. And he does it. Now, he doesn't do that often, and we don't know why. We do know that he's following his plan, which is a better plan than we have. Are you with me? But there are times that he's after, and you can always pray for a miracle. Don't ever give up hope. People say, well, is it time to give up hope? Not until God dies or until the person dies. So pray for that miracle. That's something that that you hold on to because God can prevent something bad from happening. He or his angels can jerk you out of danger. And you know what I believe, and I don't know this, but I just believe that we would be shocked to know how many times, because we think God doesn't do that very often, but how many times God or his angels have jerked us out of danger. And we got a miracle that we didn't even know about. So God can prevent bad things from happening. The second is message. The first miracle. The second is message. Because God knows that he can do more in our lives through adversity than he can through prosperity. There are many things that God wants to do in our lives that we're not going to let him do unless we go through difficult times, unless we have problems and trials, unless the bottom falls out of our lives. Many people will never do business with God unless they hit hard times. And so God knows that. We also live in a sin-cursed world, a fallen world. And we have the natural consequences of that world. So as Christians, we're going to get sick, we're going to suffer, we're going to get diseases. And we have to go through chemotherapy, we go through radiation, we do all of those things trying to get well and medical science is a part of that process. And in all of us, God is trying to speak to us and teach us and help us and mold us and conform us. Christians get in wrecks, have accidents, tragedy. Christians get killed instantly. Leave that in your theology and then understand That in everything that happens to us, God is always A, talking to us, two, or B, teaching us, C, transforming us into his image. The third is mansion, miracle, message, things are going to happen into your life that God is going to use that to communicate a message to you that you need to hear. It's amazing to me how many people I talk who are, who are battling some disease like cancer or they have, something happens in their life, how much they learn about God that they didn't know. And how grateful they are. And I say to people many times who've gone through tragedy, you know something about God that I don't know. You know a part of God that you only get to know when you're in that kind of situation. So there is the miracle that you may get and you can always pray for that. There is the message that comes in whatever trials are in your life. But then there is the mansion. God may allow that tragedy, that trial to take you to your mansion in glory. And Christians get sick and they die. and You've got to leave room for that. But also, Understand about death, death for the Christian is just waking up in glory. Now, I'm going to come back to those at the end of the message. So just hold on to those. And let's talk about Daniel chapter 3. It's about a gold image. It's about forced idolatry. It's about three bold, courageous, very strong Hebrew young men really boys and it's about a God who is able who can do anything and it is about the unscheduled appearance of a fourth man in the fire in verse 1 we learn that the image erected by Nebuchadnezzar was dominant 90 feet tall 6 feet wide On the plane of could see it for miles. You couldn't miss it. Not only was it dominant, it was delightful. It was made of gold. It was beautiful. I can imagine it was beautiful. And shining out there in the sun, and you can see it for miles. I can imagine at Cape Canaveral that the shuttle out there on that point. I've had the privilege to to visit NASA and the to go inside NASA and go out to that shuttle. So impressive. But you can see it for miles before you get to it. This was this delightful image that you could see for miles. It was dominant, it was delightful, but it was dead. A dumb dead deity of no help to anyone. We don't know that it was the image of Nebuchadnezzar. It was probably a generic image. It could be any god. It was the idea that whatever god you want to transfer to that image, then that's what it will be for you. In verse 2, the image was dedicated. And it was a forced dedication ceremony. Everybody had to come. Be there, be square. No, it was worse than that. Be there, be dead. You had to come. And the king gave an order, a command. When you hear the music, I guess this was to have a calming effect and try to get their mind off of what they were about to do and soften it just a little bit. When you hear the music, you will bend, you will bow to this image, or you will burn. How many bowed down? All of them that they knew about bow down and I want to just make a side little note there even if thousands or millions of people do something that doesn't necessarily make it right they all wanted to bow down because they didn't want to suffer the consequences verse 7 therefore as soon as they heard the sound of the horn the flute, the the zither, the, the lyre, the harp and all kinds of music all the peoples, all the peoples Nations and men of every language fell down. That's called it hit the deck. I mean, they didn't hesitate. They hit the deck and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But they bowed not out of conviction of truth. They bowed out of intimidation and fear. And there's a big difference. Verse 8, at the same time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews That's a very popular thing in the world, is the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have settled affairs, the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who paid no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you've set up. Now, it's amazing that in all these years, Jews are still being blamed for almost everything that happens in the world. The Jews are hated, and the the president of Iran says that, that the Jewish nation should be wiped off of the face of the earth. But you know, we have a modern Babylonian culture in our country that says if we could get rid of the Christians, right wing conservatives, the evangelicals, that would solve the problems in America and we would again have a great nation and we would have respect of the world. That's that's what you hear in the media. And the media is so biased that it's hard for me to watch most of the news on the main channels without getting what the king got furious. Since you brought it up, listen to me. This country was founded on biblical principles and the Judeo Christian ethic values. And that, listen to me, that is the reason. America has been so blessed. That is also the reason my heart is heavy because no, lo- because no longer does America turn to God. We've pushed God out. And we can't say God bless America because God cannot bless the attitude in America toward Him. And we are on a slippery slope downward. I'm afraid. I'm worried about my grandkids and my great-grandkids. And I think you should be also. Why we're so weak as a country, and we, listen to me, we are a lot weaker, I think, than anybody wants to admit. But we are weak because we have pushed the strong one out. Now, that didn't cost you anything. I just threw that in so you would understand it. But why did Egypt flourish? They had this famine and the, and the whole world was starving. And here's this one place that had the food. Why? Joseph, who had a vision from God and told him exactly what to do. And Egypt flourished because of Joseph and Joseph's God. And the smartest thing America could ever do would be to turn back to God and say, God, we need you more than we need anything else. But what you hear here are words of jealousy and resentment and bitterness. These Jews that you elevated, that you brought in, they couldn't wait to rat on them. They couldn't wait to sell them out. And you know what? I don't even I don't know this. This is, you know, this is uh, reading between the lines. Now, everybody came, and everybody was bound. It had to be, I mean, a massive number of people. How did you instantly know three in that huge, huge crowd didn't bow? They were the only ones they were watching. They had spies. They, they were what? Because they knew that three would probably not bow because of God that they served. And they were watching them. And so they bring this report. The Jews that you elevated, you brought to power, are not bowing down. Now, we won't tell you their names, but their initials, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God always has a remnant. He always has some people who are not bowing down. Acts 4.18, then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. You decide what you want to think in your own mind. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. You see, I mean, we're going to obey God regardless. It doesn't matter what you do to us. You can put us in jail. You can threaten our lives. We have no choice. The desire of our heart is to obey God. I read a story about Reggie White. He was one of the great defensive ball players in, in history, son of a Baptist minister. And once his team were, they were, it, it was in August, hot, hot August, doing two-a-days, practicing. And they were really struggling. And one of the players came to Reggie and said, Reggie, why don't you pray for us? And Reggie said, good idea, good idea. God, my teammates are hot, and they don't know you. And because they don't know you, they're going to hell where it's really hot. <laughs> That's taking a stand, isn't it? And taking advantage of an opportunity. But in the midst of the pluralism, the, the tolerance... The agenda in our country God still has a people He still has a remnant He still has some people Who will not bow Like Colonel Travis The Alamo Who drew the line in the sand Here we stand Luther when he nailed his thesis On the door at Wittenberg Here I stand I can do no other It's salvation by grace through faith God help me Taking a stand. Now they made here. are the, the accusations. These Jews that you like, they do not respect you. Number one, they pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods. See, they have this against them, and they do not worship your golden image. So the king was furious. Verse thirteen: Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. What does the king want to know? surely this is not true tell me this is a lie he didn't want them to be guilty he needed them Nebuchadnezzar said to them is it true Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up please tell me that's not true verse 15 now when you hear the sound of the horn I'm going to, I'm going to play the music again for you he didn't want to lose these guys I'm going to play the music again. We'll give you another opportunity. When you hear the sound of the, all these instruments, if you're ready to fall down, and I, I, I know you're ready, very good. You fall down into this image. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Watch this statement. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? If you don't bow down, we're going to put you in a furnace and no God can help you then. Little G God can't. Big G God can See, he doesn't want to kill these Hebrew boys. Remember, they were ten times better than any of his people because God was running their lives. So he gives them a second chance. You know, uh, I don't know what he said to them, but I, I think he probably offered them some, some ways out. Like, I mean, you, you probably were just zoned out and you missed the announcement. I mean, you didn't get the message. And, and I understand that. Maybe you were confused by the language because we said you all had to bow down, and we said that in the Babylonian language or maybe in the Hebrew language, that word bow means stand. And so it was a translation problem, and, and I understand that. That's no problem. Or maybe you uh, maybe maybe you guys have the stuff you've been, you been you ate before you ever got here, the king's table, the, all the stuff here, the, the vegetables. Maybe before you got over here, you ate a bunch of bad stuff and you got some health problems, maybe you got arthritis. You can't you could can't bend very good. Well, I know it may be hard, but you just just do it this this one time. I just need to see you bow. Or maybe you just overslept. You didn't hear the alarm clock. That gives me a little entrance into in the morning. The when I leave, first thing I do is I uh, I stop at a place and get me a egg and cheese burrito but when I got to them this morning, they were not open. And I came back, and I won't give the name. I came back 30 minutes later. Now there are two cars there, and I made the third car, and I pulled up, and uh, they said, it'll be a few more minutes before we can serve food. Overslept. I went to Garadula's and I was there about 15 or 20 minutes and saw no lights. And then I walked in here this morning and saw about a thousand people missing, overslept. So I just thought it would fit right here to mention talking about oversleeping. So he offered them an opportunity. to, to. He was begging for two things, just give an excuse, any kind of excuse and apologize. And now do what you're supposed to do. That's all that I ask. And and, and I'm going to give you back your life. Here's the response. O king, we don't need to give you a reply. We don't need any excuses. We offer no excuses. The reason we didn't bow down is because we won't bow down. We didn't then, we won't now, we won't ever. We're not going to bow down. Their position, we stand. They stood down to God, they stood up to the king, and they stood willing to die. What kind of country would we have if we had that kind of Men who would make that kind of commitment... We all need a made-up mind and a committed heart to do what's right regardless, to obey God regardless, to follow the ways of God and not the ways of the world. A made-up mind and a committed heart. And listen to me, you make up your mind before you get in the crisis. If you wait till you get in the middle of the crisis, you may not make the right decision. You make up your mind before you ever get in that crisis. And then when it comes, you have that confidence that you can make it through there. So here's a question for you. What would you have done? What would you have done? Let's say in our high-tech world that we had somebody who was over our country and we can be taken over. And this ungodly ruler now is over our country. And we all have these televisions in our homes, big screens. And somehow on that screen comes the image. And we are told at a certain time, we must bow down and worship that image. Get the whole family down on their knees in front of this image. And there is a way that they know whether you do it or not. Whether they have cameras in there in every home so they see you, or something that you have to, you punch a button under that image and say, you know, you just, it's like your TiVo deal, you just select, I bow. And they know it instantly. This is a high-tech world. We're talking about something that, that this would be a, a ridiculous illustration 25 years ago, but now it's, it could happen. And so there you are in your home, and there is the image. Will you bow or will you not bow? And if you refuse to bow, it could cost you your job. If you refuse to bow it can cost you $25,000. If you continue to refuse to bow it will eventually cost you your life. Will you bow and worship a false god? These guys could have offered many rationalizations, you know, this is a one-time deal, we're a long ways from home, uh, nobody will ever know or we can bow on the outside but not bow on the inside. they could have offered many rationalizations but look at the last part of verse 15 again what God will rescue you now the answer just wait and see that's what our culture is saying our culture is saying where is your God he must be sick or dead We're in control We control the media We control most of education We control what your kids watch We're in control of the internet Where's your God? There's nothing that you can do Verse 16 Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king O Nebuchadnezzar We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown in the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. Wow. O king, there are two things you need to know about our God. Our God is able. He can rescue us from you, the king. He can rescue us from the blazing furnace. He's able. He can deliver us. God is sovereign. He is sovereign over the king and he is sovereign over the furnace. That's one message you can't miss from Daniel, that God is sovereign and in absolute control. He's able. But if God does not show up, nothing changes. He is still God. He is still in control. He knows what's best. He has our best interests at heart. And we're going to trust Him. Even if He doesn't deliver us, we're going to die trusting God rather than bowing To a false image. We won't bow, we won't bend, we won't budge, even if we have to burn. Why did they make such a stand? I think it was Exodus 23, 20 verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me, period. God said, don't bow down. And they said, God said, don't bow down. We're not going to bow down. Whether God comes through in this immediate situation or not, he is still God and we still trust him. Verse 19 just shows they pushed the king's buttons. Nebuchadnezzar was furious. And his attitude toward them changed. He wanted them to live. He, He needed them. But now they've made him so mad because of their strong stand for God, the true God. His whole attitude changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. His face got red. His attitude changed. Rage inside him. He said, turn that furnace up seven times hotter than it normally is. May I tell you that any time you make decisions when you're mad, more than likely you will make a bad decision. That's true in your, even in your marriage. That's true with your kids. If you get mad at your kids, you just get away and cool, you give them the Lord and cool down. Then discipline your children. You get mad at your wife or a husband, and you get that inner rage inside. You get furious. Don't you make decisions. Don't say things that you can never take back the rest of your life. The curse of words that burn an imprint on the soul, the inner being of that person that you can never erase. You made a bad decision because you don't torture people by turning the furnace up seven times. You fry them like potatoes. The smart thing, if you want to torture them, turn it down seven notches so that they just slowly cook like you're cooking a baked potato. With it, not in the microwave, the, the old-fashioned way. And so they're, they're tortured in the agony. And see, this furnace was it was uh, open at one end and closed at the other end, and it had this area where, where you could look in. And it was probably the same kind of thing that they make bricks. And so the, the king was going to look in and... He was now so full of rage, so furious, that he was going to stand there and look in and watch these three disobedient, godly Jews, God-loving Jews. He's going to watch them fry. And so his strong men were going to throw them in. The king over there watching to see it all happen. How many strong men? The Bible doesn't say. I think it was, it would be six of them because I think it took, one guy on each side of each guy. And these strong men were going to throw him in. And the strong man lifted him up, the first one, Shadrach, lifted him up to throw him into that fire. And the fire consumed the strong soldier. And the Shadrach just fell into the fire see the miracle started before the soldiers ever touched them. I mean the fire was so hot that the soldiers were, were burned to death instantly but the three Hebrews were thrown into that prison and commanded verse 20 some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them in the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown in the furnace. That, that Binding them up, that, that's just humiliation and, and control. Uh, so they were totally helpless. You, the first thing you do when you're facing a fire, what do you do? You, you cover your head, your eyes, your face. couldn't do that total loss of control and humiliation. Couldn't cover their mouth. You know, if you're in, a, if you're in the heat like that, if you can just put a, a towel or something over your face or part of your clothing over your face, you can breathe longer. And, but they could do nothing. The king's command was so urgent, and the furnace so hot, the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace. Now look what happened. This is divine intervention. A miracle. A miracle. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw in the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, just walking around. Unbound and unharmed. The only thing the fire had permission to burn was the bondage, the ropes of bondage that held them. The only freedom is in Jesus Christ. The only way to conquer addiction and habits is the power of Jesus Christ. The bondage, the ropes burned off. Unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. A deity, a divine being. Now the Hebrews say it was uh, Gabriel. I think what we have here is a theophany, which is a visible. It's God appearing visibly. A visible manifestation of God. I think it was Jesus Christ incarnate. Jesus is the one we see. Jesus is the only God. We can't see God. We see Jesus. And so the fourth, and I, you know what I think that means? In fact, I know it means this because the rest of the Bible backs it up. In every trial you face, Jesus is by your side. You could take it a step further if you wanted to and say there are four of you in the fire. You and the God, the Father, God, the Son, the God, the Holy Spirit. Do you understand as a Christian you can never be alone? He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. When you're in the fire, I'm in the fire beside you. Here's something else. Lee and I were talking about this yesterday. The, the boys were in the fire, and, of course, they're just walking around saying, you know, but, I mean, they were just, they're, they're young guys. They have to be saying something like, this is so cool. I mean, this is awesome. I can't wait to tell somebody back home what's happening. But then one of them says, you know, now I understand what Isaiah was trying to tell them. Listen to what Isaiah said, Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Now we understand. God is sovereign even over a blazing furnace then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted. He's a believer now. I mean, he he says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I was really on your side all the time. Servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. And they came out of the fire. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. Can you imagine? Hollywood would have fun with this part too, wouldn't they? They'd mess it up, but they'd have fun playing with it. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a, a, a hair of their head singed. You know, I, I've, uh, I've, you know, I've started the fire in the fireplace a few times when I got too close because I didn't think it was going to catch light. And it singed my eyebrows just, just instantly. Their robes were shorts. And I love this part. And there was no smell of fire or smoke on them. You know, smoke is, uh, you smell it. I love a fireplace, but I, I, I really like the gas logs. Now I grew up with a f- fireplace, but your house smells like smoke. Those of you who smoke, that's another thing, too. It's, it smells like, you smell like smoke, to be honest with you. Course, I don't want to get on anybody's case. It won't send you to hell. It'll make you smell like you've already been there, but it won't send you to hell. <laughs> but they didn't even smell like smoke. But here's, here's what I want you to think about. I've witnessed so many church members go through fires and they came out smelling like smoke. They came out with a stinking attitude complaining, griping, whining, a stinking spirit, smelling like smoke. In fact, when somebody comes up to you complaining and whining and just just lovingly say to them, do I smell smoke? Isn't that amazing? that we smell smoky over little things that should not matter. Am I tracking with anyone? Don't answer. It'll embarrass you. Here's Nebuchadnezzar's summary. Then Nebuchadnezzar, don't worry about the time because my watch is set on the other time. Praise be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. What a summary testimony the king gave. Number one, they trusted their God. Number two, they defied the king. Me, said Nebuchadnezzar. Three, they laid their lives on the line. Verse 29, Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces. This guy's kind of violent, isn't he? He is a changed man right now. Their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. Remember that statement, you're going to be thrown into a situation and No God can rescue you. He's changed his tune about that. There is a God. For no other God but the God we just saw demonstrated can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Let's get painfully practical. What kind of God are you tempted to bow down to? There's not a gold image on the plane of Bossier. So do you bow down to the God of success, the God of materialism, the God of unforgiveness, the God of resentment, the God of bitterness, the God of lust, the God of despair, the God of... What God are you tempted to bow down to? Let me give you a truth tip. The only thing that it takes for you and me to bow down to a little G God is to focus on ourselves and think that God is not coming through, that we're not being treated fairly. And so we bow to little G God. Anytime you use those words, it's not fair what's happened to me. You're in line to bow down to a false God. Philippians 1.12, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. My dad died with cancer in 1993. Suffered a lot. He had pastored for... Preached for for 50 years, and I was with him in those last hours and those last days. He prayed every night. He and Mom read the Bible and they prayed. I wished I could have recorded his prayers. In fact, one night I tried to, and it didn't work because I would love for my grandkids and great-grandkids. To hear a dying man who'd served God his 50 years in the pastorate, to say just to praise God and to thank God. No complaints. No, why me? But just praise and thanksgiving. And his desire was to die well. To die well. Do you have a price on what it would take for you to turn away from God? Turn away from the church? I'm always shocked at the little things that people use to turn away from God and the church. But in closing, let me give you three distinct Possibilities, scenarios, when believers face adversity, because we all do. We talked about the miracle, the message, the mansion. We all face fires. Some of you may be in a fire this morning. You need this word. Number one, we can be delivered from the fire, it's a miracle. And God is a miracle-working God. He can do anything. Nothing is impossible. He can make you well. He can speak a word. And everything changes. And it's all right to ask for that miracle. And I think all of us would want to do that. Number two, we can be delivered through the fire. This is the message John 11, 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. 1 Peter 1, 6, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, multicolored trials. These have come so that these have come, God permitted them, so that your faith greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Listen to me fire refines our faith fire comes with a message from God that we desperately need to hear and it is a refining fire God wants to do something in our lives. What does he want to do? He wants to burn the junk out of our lives. He wants to burn away the little G-gods. He wants to burn the fake, fake off of us. And he knows that the only way those things happen is when we go through the refiner's fire. He wants to transform us. He's conforming us to his own image. He's getting us ready for eternity. But in order to do that, he's going to have to take us through some things. Number three, we will, we can be delivered by the fire. That's the mansion. The fire takes us into glory in the presence of Christ. And you know if we really understood how wonderful eternity is and how wonderful heaven is and how wonderful it is to be with Jesus we would probably all choose that. Even though it's hard to turn loose here. Because death there's a gospel song that says death ain't no big deal. For the Christian death ain't no big deal. Because the soul never dies. The real you never dies. The the sick diseased body, the The body is left behind, but you are instantly in the presence of the Lord. It's like dropping your coat off and walking into the next room. Paul said to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. No dark tunnel, no soul sleep. The real you doesn't die and wake up someday, somewhere. It is always awake because the soul never dies. Listen to me. Whether you get the miracle or the message or the mansion, it's win-win. And it's the absolute best for your eternity. And God says, you got to trust me on this. Whatever you get, it's best for your eternity, and you gotta trust me. We hope you were blessed by our program today. If you would like a copy of today's program, go to www.fredlowry.com, where you can find this program and other Christian resources by Dr. Fred Lowry.